in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. A wonderfully gleeful parade of killings and nudity. Bloodbath, far better known as a Bay of Blood or Twitch of the Deaf Nerve. It's only not a surprise in addition to the Video Nasties list. As Mario Barber, prototype slasher, elements of Jalo. It's actually a good example of how complicated and problematic things actually were during the Video Nasties scandal as video shop owners struggled to work out what films were actually considered to be obscene. And while the police uh, blundered their way through stocks and stocks of films, seizing what could only potentially at that stage uh, be, uh, be cause for a prosecution.
Switch of the Deaf Nerve, its Italian title, Elogio del Dito, also known as Bloodbath of Bear Blood, uh, Rizona Catina, it is a 1971 Italian horror film directed by Barber. And he co-wrote it with Dardano Soretti and uh, Franco Boberi. The film stars uh, Claudine Auger, uh, Luigi Pisti, and uh, Lauren Betty, and uh, Carlo Rombardi, who's obviously known in the, throughout the, some of the video nasties for his special effects work, created the, uh, some of the more gruesome special effects in this film. The story darts around uh, a run-down island retreat where different people are committing different murderous acts uh, as each attempts to remove any obstacle between them and the way of an inheritance. It is, Barva is known as creating quite shocking films, uh, such as the opening to uh, Bloody Sunday, but this is probably easily his most violent work. His emphasis is on uh, murder set pieces, which uh, led on to um, a lot more love for the, well, helped create the slasher genre. Indeed, uh, Friday the 13th involves uh, some almost shot-by-shot moments from this film. But uh, also, uh, although the deaths are quite slashery, um, the kind of um, tongue-in-cheek way the violence is carried out by various people and the murderers are killed by murderers indicates that Barbara was not after as much to, to, to shock people but kind of create a almost technical a romp using death as a um, as a punchline. It is uh, almost incredibly influential and um, you know the, we say about slashes dominating the uh, the video nasties list because the time the the, the, the list came out but um, you know this this is uh, one of the films that uh, helped lead to that in the first place uh, although not the first. It was certainly one of the most influential. The movie's success lies with Barbara, really, and it is um, a credibly stylish affair. You know, looking at it, although there isn't a because there isn't a central killer, it's difficult to actually describe it like a slasher, like for example the uh, the English film *Fright*, which came out the same year. But um, what it does have is uh, a flair for color and light, and uh, you know, very, very uh, bright, bright, which uh, uh, and all, uh, you know, with um, dissolves and and you know, one scene merging into another, creating this um, hallucinatory feel, which uh, then was uh, utilized uh, far more by uh, people who were heavily influenced by uh, Barber, such as Dario Gento, who we'll talk about in a bit. The film was refused uh, a cinema certificate in 1972, but uh, that didn't stop the Hushikan label uh, releasing uh, the uncut version in February 83, and it went on the list in March 84, staying on throughout and becoming one of the collectible 39 releases. It was released with 43 seconds of cuts by As Bay of Blood by Redemption, and it was only in 2010 that the film finally got a proper release uncut in the UK.
Now, the reason why I'm bringing this this point up quite so early, normally obviously that's one of the last uh, points that I make when I talk about the film, is that Bay of Blood, or Bloodbath, as it was called at this time in the UK, um, was an unfortunate film for a different movie, a film also called Bloodbath, which was released at the time. Now, the, the problem at this stage was that a lot of films were out that had similar titles. Uh, we're going to talk about this issue twice again with Funhouse and with Island of Death. But at this stage, um, the film was, uh, was out there and, 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 you know, literally it was a, ta- you know, it was a piece of paper getting passed around to people, not rather than something more concrete as a thing. You know, it wasn't, this is the Mario Barber version of the film. This is the cover. It was far more, this, the film Bloodbath is being, uh, is, is a film that we believe we can get a prosecution for, so it should be removed. So, the film Bloodbath from 1976, which was a horror film, uh, by Joel M. Reed, um, was unfortunately also removed from the shelves at the same time. It's kind of like a tongue in cheek kind of comedy, really. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was an unfortunate, um, Victim and all this, but I suppose if everyone got wrapped up into it, they would be a bit unfortunate. It's a dinner party, um, and with uh, the cast of this horror film, they go out and then and they exchange horror stories. It's pretty much a, a bog standard Port Martell effort, um, you know, creep show or night gallery or you know VHS would be the closest thing these days. Although with the, this kind of thing, you know, you've got the wraparound being. Normally, you know, people telling the story and it goes in. So, uh, the, the work of, say, uh, Amicus Horror, for example, would be closer. The actual director uh, was uh, responsible for blood-sucking freaks as well. So, the you know, which was a far less restrained effort than this movie. This is a, you know, it's a decent enough uh, horror horror genre film, but uh, certainly by no stretch, there's a, uh, you know, they, uh, let's not get too excited by it. The film was released by Rank in '82 in the UK, and wasn't released as a labelled as a nasty as such. But uh, no one was taking any chances, and the film was known to be removed from the shelves. And there's been no release since. That's because it's just not, you know, the, the, well, almost certainly because there's no real market for it. <laughs> I've been dead for ten years. I'm a ghost. Ooh. I warn you and your master that I'm privy to the nine secrets. He's never told the tenth or ultimate secret as his teacher died before the final lesson. Oh, with a strange The movie um, was originally concocted between Barber and, act- and, and the actress Laura Betty uh, in a way uh, that they could come up to um, find a way to work together again. Um, they'd worked on the 1969 film Hatchet for the Honeymoon and um, it was uh, originally aimed as a murder-filled story with, you know, plenty of promise that uh, the producer Giuseppe Zaccarello um, provided the money. 
it began uh, under to, to uh, titling uh, to filming under the title "Thus Do We Live to Be Evil," um, but um, soon got changed to the title "Chain Reaction." Um, the movie's budget was extremely low, and I think that can be seen in some of the cinematography. Um, it's very pretty and it's very beautiful, but some of the exterior shots obviously look rushed. Um, he was his own cinematographer to reduce the amount of money this was going to cost him. Um, in fact, he used a child um, wagon, like a toy wagon, to create his own tracking shots and keep the filming simpler. The film was actually filmed in Zaccarello's own property, a Sabudia beach house. There was uh, there was a few scattered trees, but um, you know, uh, Bob uh, Bob had to use plenty of uh, cinematic tricks to to create the forest and outline and areas that you see because there was very few trees there. Um, there are thirteen murders in the movie, and Collar and Bardi was hired to provide uh, the special effects work. He'd already won awards um, for his special makeup effects, and uh, was a was a good shout for a film such as this. Unfortunately, the film's um, release was uh, not necessarily greeted with uh, particular open arms by the critics. The um, the film was uh, premiered at the. Um, Alvarez Film Festival um, apparently Christopher Lee hated it <laughs> because he was at the premiere which is brilliant um, uh, the film's actually distributed in the US by Hallmark releasing, um, they changed the name to Carnage and um, used the Mark of the Devil um, advertising campaign where they described it as being the second film rated V for violence with Devil being the first. Um, it was a classic example of a film that gets released by one title, bombs, then gets released by another. It got pulled and then um, re-released a year later under the title Twitch of the Death Nerve, which uh, replayed for for years around the country. And uh, certainly is the film that is best known as in the US now, I'd probably say, as that title. Um, although it is on Netflix, I spotted, in the US under the title Bay of Blood. It's probably, in truth, you know, it's Barber's most controversial film. He's flirted with violence before, but never so overtly. And, um, he's, you know, um, Jeffrey Frenson, reviewing the film in Cine Fantastique, said it was director's most complete failure. If you're appalled by the gore and slaughter and blood and black lace, this latest film contains twice the murders, each one accomplished with an obnoxious detail. Red herrings are ever-present and serve as the only interest keeping the plot in motion, but nothing really redeems the dumb storyline. Apparently, Joe Dante, though, was enthusiastic about the film, writing in the film bulletin, later reprinted in Video Watchdog magazine, a, a fantastic pub, uh, fan publication, that featured enough violence and groove to satisfy the most rabid mayhem fans and benefits with the intimidable stylish direction of horror specialist Mario Barber. Assembled with a, vi a striking visual assurance that never ceases to amuse, this is typical Barber material, simply one ghastly murder after another, 13 and all, surrounded by what must be one of the most preposterous and confusing plots ever put to film. And Fangoria Tim Lucas wrote that Twitch unreels are like a, a macabre ironic joke 
a movie built like an inescapable trap of its own anti-hero. Seen today, the violence of the film remains as potent and explicit as anything glimpsed in contemporary splasher features. Now, as we said, the film has its influences, uh, you know, and it is, in fact, despite the fact that Barber's work is influential, particularly with, like, say, Tim Burton cribbing off uh, films like uh, Black Sunday, um, it did have a big impact on the slasher genre. Speaking again, Tim Lucas from in 2000 wrote that Barber's film has acknowledged smoking gun behind the body count movie phenomenon of the 80s. And those films continued, really, it's fair to say, to dominate at that point when he's still writing with Scream and what we did, what did you, what you, I know what you did last summer, sorry. Although one of Barber's most imitated movies is, and, and, you know, disliked for its violence, it certainly had an impact on America. And, and, you know, bear in mind that in terms of the, uh, the nasties, as I said before, um, you know, the burning, is, is is heavily influenced by Friday the Thirteenth, which itself is influenced by this, and a lot of the other films. Although probably Cribben and Truth Cribben are films like Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth, are in fact actually initially influenced, therefore, in that kind of domino effect by Bloodbath. The movie is known by a ridiculously large number of titles, and I'm not going to list them all here. But, um, you know, even in the US, it is known as uh, Carnage, Twist of a Death Nerve, A Bay of Blood, or A Bay of Blood, Last House on the Left Part 2, New House on the Left. So even stepping on the, the toes of another video nasty, but all, well, two video nasties really, Last House on the Left, and also Night Train Murders. Uh, Argento is uh, known to be a huge fan of this film as well, and I think it shows a little bit in his uh, in his direction. Uh, you know that that moves on to the more you know dreamlike qualities and, and and more vicious deaths that seemingly appear from nowhere. Argento loved the film so much he had a friend uh, steal him a print of the movie during his first run in Italy, and um, the uh, the theatre ends up having to show that that other film Hatchet for the honeymoon to uh, replace the stolen print. And Argento says he still got the movie, and uh, it's not. It was also known for um, it's some of its promotional work in the U.S. as well, where there was a final warning station where a theatre worker was uh, was dressed up and and was paid to warn you face to face that this may be the last shock film you'll ever want to see. Uh, got some bits of feedback. I'll split them up over with a quote because um, some of them are about. Um, Bay of Blood and something about the nasties generally. Rob Wilson, who is a regular contributor, says, Hey Chris, here's what I posted on my Facebook. Rewatch Mario Barber's Bay of Blood. My original watching of this one was when this came out in a Barber box set in 07. People often say it's the blueprint for 80 slashes, Friday the 13th, second, rips some murder scenes from this movie. I thought Barber's Blood and Black Lace was considered the first Jello. It's, uh, it's been a long while. I'll have to revisit this one. I remember being pretty disappointed by my first watch of Bay of Blood. The who's killing who and why was sort of lost on me. I can't say I still fully understand. All you really want, need to know is that there is some ni- nice lakeside and that different people want to own. Murdering, en- murdering anyone who could get in the way is why bodies are piling up. 
What I really like about Barber is he usually gives extreme detail to use of colour and gorgeous visuals. I think that it, that is lacking in for this one. It's not devoid of direction, it's just missing that Barber flair. I think the movie is, is much more tongue-in-cheek than I thought, originally thought. The ending is bonkers. It actually made me wonder if this whole film was a message about violence in film. Since I know, since I know Barber's body work, I doubt it. I also wish to turn people onto the great Mario Barber box sets put out by Anki Bay. Volume 1 and 2 are must-haves. Tim Lucas's commentary for the films are among the best. Uh, still having a really tough winter. Long, Extra long commutes. Wish the podcast lasted over an hour. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Uh, well, cheers for that, Rob. Uh, I know you were kind of, um, you kind of PS'd and PPS, so hopefully, um, that, 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 you know, I, I managed to put together the, what, what were you trying to say? Um, yeah, I mean, I can understand what you mean. I think for me, I think it's the, it's the budget. There's what you're talking about there in terms of the fact it seems quite washed out. Um, there's not a lot you can do about that really. Um, it's just the nature of the print, I think. Even looking on it on, hey, I mean, I watched a HD version of it. And um yeah, it still looked pretty pretty tired to be fair. Certainly wasn't popping with colours or sharpness like some of his other work. Albert you Albert Albert Yes dear I really never thought you had it in you. Well, that's the least I can do for my family. But let's hurry. We've got to clear out of here now. We'll come back and... Mm-hmm. And the whole bay will be legally ours. Just think, darling. Yeah, but let the police clean up the place first, huh? You have changed. For the better or for the worse. Mm-hmm. Lucky we found my father. Now nobody can accuse him of being a murderer. Well, all's well. It uh, ends well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, Daddy. Gee, they're good at playing dead, aren't they? Hey, let's go down to the bay. Um, and there's a couple of um, emails in the inbox um, as well. Uh, they're talking about um, the Beyond and um, and video nasties generally. So this is a uh, an email from a guy called Jake from Ohio. Yo, Christoph, I wanted to tell you in case you didn't already know about a song that uses samples from the Beyond. It's called "As Dead as These Can Be" by Necro from the Death Rap album. Dapper 
Amazon Performing surgery on you like Trapper John Most Sabbath is on Into coffin burglary Anaconda murder marathon cadaveres Like Harrison sacrifice a rabbit Blasphemous stone tablets to be on Flow like the Acheron Packing the crons under my leather jacket like Vaughn My clicks around you like brackets You vagabond jackass I got a dagger on me to stab you faggot My swagger is calm Pull the trigger holding Megatron in my palm It flames like a Chimera Split your brain like Barrera Gorilla warfare like Guevara Kill like Malaria Triple six like the I also emailed Tom Elliott about these songs that use the Susperia theme in them. Higgs Bosom by Esam on Venus Flytrap, and Knife in Your Spine by Mr. Hyde on Barn of the Naked Dead. There's a ton of great horror theme music from these guys. Gore-Tex and Circle of Tyrants are awesome too. The opening track from the Circle of Tyrants album uses the theme from the first Creepshow. About the Beyond... This is one movie I think would do well with a remake. The gore effects are great, however the people that it's happening to are obviously unmoving, unbreathing dummies. It would be awesome if Lucio Fulci himself could remake this film, although that now would be a horror movie in itself. Just now he would have access to a bigger budget and better special effects than most anyone did in 1981. And the voice dubbing is a bit much at times. But I think you have to give these budgetary problems. I do really enjoy this movie, and while it's very artistic, I can see why it's considered nasty at the time. It's a happy coincidence for me that you happen to be covering this film just two days after I got it for myself. I also wanted to let you know that I've been listening to the show almost since its inception. I'm from the US, and so I was unaware completely of the video nasty scandal in the UK. I did grow up in the late 80s Reaganized America, and that was a time of heavy cutting, some would say censorship, of horror films. A lot of American classics like Friday the 13th Part 7 therefore suffered from, he- from having all the gore taken out of it, almost losing important horror elements completely. So I can relate to the issue. I'm glad your podcast exists to let people know about what happened, lest it happen again. Not to mention that it alerts to people like me some great, maybe more obscure films that would otherwise never be seen. There are really some gems in the nasties list. Anyway, I'll let you go. Thanks for doing the show and doing it with regularity. I always look forward to the new episodes. Keep it bloody, Jake. Well, thanks very much for that, Jake. Um, I do agree. I mean, I obviously, you know, the um, I, I don't really speak about American censorship. Uh, we, but you know, you know, we're speaking about the Beyond. It suffered terribly uh, for a long time. Would be quite heavily cut. And I know there's, um, you know, that a lot of this is down to the MPAA and, and the way they cut films and that and that does have a knock on impact as well in the UK because we frequently get, you know, your R rated version of the film rather than, and then, you know, the unrated cut down the line, if at all. If it's not popular we might not get it. So, um, you know, films like the Top of My Head, The Hills of Eyes, although would be wouldn't be an issue to be seen uncut in our cinemas. Or um where it was cut as 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 the theatrical release, and you know that has a knock on effects as well with the PG thirteen certificate and all that kind of thing. With even like Die Hard four, we had the theatrical version rather than you know the the extreme version or whatever you you called it. So you know we 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 do uh, you know I think the US are probably the UK is probably more aware of US censorship than the US needs to be aware of UK, um, and I think our censorship is stricter still although yours is more restrictive in like a commercial element but uh thanks very much for your email that's that's fantastic stuff and uh glad you enjoying the podcast as well um it's great that some americans are kind of listening to what we're doing and and kind of getting a feel for it 
I had another message as well uh, from a guy called Colin from, from Ireland. Hello from Ireland. Hey mate, just discovered your podcast. Ah, the old nasties. A subject close to my heart. I'm going to have to work my way through all your episodes now, which may take a week or two, but I'm liking what I hear already. I can remember fondly going into my local video shop and staring in wonder at all these glorious VHS Betamax covers, each one promising untold and juicy horrors. Of course, on many occasions, the tape covers were the best part of the movie, but there was all something oddly mysterious about films on tape, which didn't seem the same with DVD. Maybe it was the grain or the constant fiddling with the tracking button, but VHS just had an evil presence. Then the real slaughter started. Cue the BFC, who became the BBFC. Our viewing would never be the same again. I'm sure you're only too aware of what happened next. There's a great documentary called Video Nasty's Moral Panic, if you haven't seen it. Basically a bunch of ourselves in suits telling us what we could and couldn't watch. I got a few of the band lists back from a guy here in Belfast under the counter. Pirate copy, so bad you could barely watch them. Only added to their awe, however. Do you remember the Dark Side magazine? The band issue with the listings of all the nasties became the go-to reference back when the internet really didn't exist. I used to dream longingly about getting to see all of those films one day. And now I'm pleased to say that I've not only had the DPP-39, but the Complete 72. Which, although many are web downloads, however, as I see... either can't afford the originals or they're just not to be found but i smile now knowing the bbfc have been beaten at last anyone can go get to see these movies now if they really want to that brings me to today it'd be great if this censorship not a misspell of our viewing was just some bizarre blip confined to history but it's not it continues today with movies like grotesque from 2009 banned outright human centipede 2 which is cut badly a Serbian film, which is cut to bits, and even the 1992 film Mikey, which appears to stay banned due to, apparently, to the Bulger case. My question, though, is what the hell is the function of BBFC today? I own retail, uncut DVDs of Grotesque, a Serbian film, Subconscious Cruelty, Human Centipede 2, etc., that are banned or heavily cut here, but you're free to purchase from any of the Amazon websites based elsewhere. So what's the point of the BBFC? These guys should become optional, just like the MPAA of America. Their only function is to annoy and vex film fans, mostly us horror fans and directors. And as child as it may sound, I fucking hate them. Anyway, look forward to your future shows and going backwards to the old ones. Keep the faith, Colin. Well, thank you, Colin. And um, <clears throat> I know what you mean. And, uh, and my worry, in fact, is the fact that it's going to get worse uh, for horror fans as well as you know, as 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 people just who are, have an interest in free speech, simply because uh, my belief is that um, you know the the government, given half a chance, uh, would crank down far more on on censorship for websites and and that kind of thing. And the moves to step to uh, to ban the websites like the Pirate Bay using ISP addresses uh, by bullying the the ISPs and trying to install net nannies as standard. I think will um, will increase over time, and that's obviously a concern for for all and for yourself. If the, you know, if you want to get hold of certain movies, the last thing you want to be do is be branded a criminal criminal for watching a, a piece of art or a piece of and just a piece of fiction, you know, make believe and um, styrofoam and fake blood or CGI graphics as it is now, is a world away from the concept that something probably is obscene and could d- degrade your mind. Thanks very much for the emails. It's great to get some feedback. And obviously, Rob, regular feedbacker, and uh, wonderful to get uh, a different viewpoint on these movies. 
Um, and also, you know, memories of the video nasties as well. And, uh, you know, a, a different view of, of, of from the outside there as well, from Jake, um, his, his opinions on how the, uh, the nasty scare looks from across the pond, as it were. So thanks very much for that. If you want to get in touch with me, please do. My, uh, I take, uh, not just uh, emails, but if you've got a, a podcaster and have access to, uh, to recording equipment, I'll be more than happy to take an audio clip. Uh, my email address is videonastypodcast at gmail.com. My website is videonastypodcast.com. Or alternatively, you can follow me on Twitter and find out, much like last week when I didn't put one up, uh, what's going on with me. And uh, that's a private Twitter feed, so it's a little bit random. But I do uh, I do mention nasties quite a bit. That's at orange underscore monkey. So thanks again for everyone who's been in touch. And uh, I'm glad, if you are enjoying the show, that you are enjoying it. Uh, next week is not a classic. It is Don't Go Near the Park. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Gee, they're good at playing dead, aren't they? <laughs>